Trigger warning. This episode contains adult content and may be distressing for some listeners. Pride Across the Ages is a collaborative project to amplify and celebrate the voices of LGBTIQA living in central Victoria. All episodes were recorded on Jar Jar land and respectfully recognise that First Nations sovereignty was never ceded. This always was and always will be Aboriginal land. My name's Mitch Navalis and I was born in the southern suburbs of Sydney and I'm, I just snuck into the 70s. So I was born in 1979. And in terms of how I identify, it's a kind of a tricky one. I don't really like labels. I guess I would probably say I am queer, same-sex attracted, non-binary. My pronouns are they and them. When I first came out, I had a tricky time finding community and probably I think I probably haven't found community until very recently. I'm 42 now and I've had lots of individual friends or small groups of friends within the queer community but I guess as a larger sense of what community is I haven't felt that until really I moved to Castlemaine. So it's been a new thing for me and I spent a long time I think trying to find community. I think what I saw portrayed of the LGBTIQ community I didn't feel like was me and resonated with me. I think what we see in media often um, there's a lot of flamboyance and big personality and overt characters and I'm kind of the opposite of that. For me I think it was really difficult in the beginning to acknowledge my sexuality and understand where I fit within the broader sense of people. And I even find the LGBTIQ term as a community not problematic, but just we're so wildly different, like to put us all together as one community. Yes, we're united in some ways, but we're so different from each other. So finding common ground sometimes within the LGBTIQ community can be difficult. But uh, yeah, I think it took me a really long time to come out. I came out when I was 21. And I think if I had have grown up today, I would have come out when I was about 10. So <laughs> that's a lot of years of really grappling with who you are and how to reconcile that within society and feel safe enough to express myself. So that was a long journey for me. I think when I was really young, I felt like the gender constructs we'd created in society were not conducive to who I was. And that was really at odds with, I guess, fairly conservative parents and the people that I grew up with in the southern suburbs of Sydney in the 80s and 90s. And I think as a kid, I really felt like I was born in the wrong body mainly because of the way I was being treated, not necessarily because of my connection to my body. Uh, So what I was wanting as a kid was to be able to do all the things that I enjoyed doing, which were then and still now to some degrees known as boys things. And I just thought that these gender roles that we'd created were the most kind of whack ideas I'd ever heard (laughs) and so limiting and so damaging not just for someone like me, but, um, or girls, but boys as well. Like there was just as kids, 
you don't fall into that we're just being ourselves and then to have parents and uh, older people influence the way we're behaving really starts to block us all and limit us all and push us all into these categories that I think become dangerous as we grow into adults, dangerous for ourselves and dangerous for the people around us. Yeah, I was pretty stuck as a kid, I think. And then it wasn't until I came out that I realised actually there is no issue with me and it's really just society and (laughs) the way we've constructed these ideas about who does what, who has what skills, who has what strength, who has what abilities, all of those sorts of things. And I want to be really clear that my experience is not a trans experience. So it's not like as a kid, I thought I was born in the wrong body and then I grew up and just went, oh no, I'm just same-sex attracted. I'm queer. The trans experience is a very different experience for me. It was really caught up in gender roles and I have a really great relationship with my body and I love being same-sex attracted. And so I wouldn't want to change who I am, but I definitely want to change how the world sees me and the world judges me based on what gender they assume me to be. So I guess uh, when I decided to use they, them pronouns, it was really about saying to anyone that approaches me, I don't want you judging me first based on whether you think I'm a boy or a girl. And that also kind of works visually because I'm misread a lot of the time. <laughs> so so uh, weekly people are often confused about where I sit and I really quite enjoy that because it means that they can't figure out how to judge me because they can't figure out <laughs> where to put me. As a kid, there's so many different stories I could tell about moments where particularly adults assumption of gender was limiting what I could do and sport is a really big one for me so I was really physically active as a kid and really the sports that I loved well were boys sports they were much more physical physically demanding sports and so as a kid I had when I was nine I wanted to play baseball and I joined a t-ball team and it was an all-boys team I was the only girl, but I really loved it and I fit in with the team. It was a bit weird at first, but eventually, you know, I proved myself and we were just a team. And at the end of that first year, we won the grand final. And then straight after that, I was told that I wasn't going to go on to play baseball with the rest of my teammates. That was the next step next year. And the only reason anyone could give me was my gender. So I stopped playing baseball. I didn't want to play softball because one, I had formed a relationship with my team and I wanted to do what they were doing. I didn't understand why I was different. We were all the same size at that point as well. So it wasn't even a physicality thing. And the ball in softball is massive and it didn't fit my hand. So I wanted to keep playing baseball. I also had this dream of pitching. So I wanted to pitch overarm. I didn't want to pitch underarm. So there was all these differences between the sport that softball didn't resonate me with me in the way that baseball did. So I quit playing and I went across to soccer and I joined a boys soccer team. There wasn't any girls teams at that point in the late 80s, early 90s. And I played for a year with my soccer team when I was 10. And then at the end of that year, I was told I wasn't going to be able to play soccer the following year with my team. And again, the only reason anyone could give me was my gender. So I quit that as well. And so within two years, I'd gone from being a really physically active, vibrant, confident kid and I lost two sports and I lost two teams and I lost two groups of friends and really that just 
started a big, long downhill cascade of, uh, yeah, things just going really wrong in my life. Probably from the outside, it just looked like I was hitting puberty and being a ratbag teenager. But underpinning everything really was these weird ideas about what I was capable of because of my gender and the way that limited my opportunities. So I just, at this age where I guess we're moving from primary school to high school and I really noticed at that age everything started to change you know like uh, I remember my mum constantly saying to me it's time for you to start behaving like a girl and I didn't really understand what that meant because I thought I was a girl and I was behaving like myself and yet that wasn't what was right apparently. So there was all these things that were happening the sports the things I was being told, the idea of what my body was supposed to be doing and moving into high school. I went from, as a as a primary school kid, my lunchtime and playtimes was spent on the field, playing tackle footy, being rough. And then when I got to high school, the boys did that on the fields and the girls sat on the sidelines and watched and gossiped. And I just found that really boring. Like... <laughs> I don't want to sit on the sidelines. I want to play and I I want to participate. And so I was constantly being made to feel like, no, my role in life is not to participate. It's to sit and watch boys participate. Yeah, I really started disengaging from a lot of stuff and turning to things that helped me escape reality, things like alcohol, drugs. It just, it was a real downhill slide that when I look back, it all comes back to gender roles, these ridiculous ideas that adults had about what I should be doing, what I was capable of, what opportunities I should be allowed. And I even kind of think how how sad for so many girls that we have no idea what our capacity is as humans. We can't possibly because at this fundamental stage pre-puberty, we're blocked from so many things. So it's our skills that get blocked it's our bodies that get blocked, it's our minds that get blocked, and we have no way to know what we're capable of. There would be very few girls or women today that actually know what their potential is because even with pretty liberated parents, we are all growing up, we are all existing in the same society that tells us the same things and we all have these biases that we don't realise that we're inflicting on our children. I guess identity as a non-binary person is to really say, fuck this society and these ridiculous constructs that we've created. I don't want to be a part of it. I remember the first time I was with a woman, I left her place in the morning and was walking through London and I was just feeling my whole body alive for the first time. And it's so clear in my mind. I can picture the people I walked past. I can feel the weather. Everything is so vivid still, you know, 20 odd years later. And I remember walking towards the tube station to to get back to home and thinking, oh my God, this is what it feels like to be alive. And I feel like for the first time in my life, there's this potential to be happy. And then I suddenly had this moment of going, but holy shit, I'm an alcoholic and I've been severely depressed and suicidal since I was 11, essentially. How do I pull myself out of this? Because suddenly I'm excited to be alive and I hadn't had that feeling before. And so 
there was so much work then that I had to do over the next few years of unpacking all the damage that had been done because I didn't get that opportunity to explore my sexuality, to feel safe, to express myself, to be allowed to express myself the way I am. And so coming out while it was such a difficult thing to do and terrifying, I remember lying in bed saying goodbye to everyone in my life. Like I was very consciously thinking everyone I know is not going to want to know me anymore. And so I will mentally say goodbye to everyone because I feel like I've found a possibility of happiness and I can't keep myself in this box anymore to keep all these people happy. As horrible as it felt, I would much rather say goodbye to everyone and see if there's a potential to be happy in life than to keep everyone else happy. And I knew I wouldn't live very much longer. Yeah, it was like this really weird space of coming out. Like, why can't we come out and have everything from a really young age? Have love and acceptance unconditionally and be allowed to express ourselves and be allowed to explore without even having to label ourselves. Like I find this labeling really problematic because I think we all have some sort of fluidity in our sexuality and our gender. And we're so determined to box ourselves into one thing. Like why can't we have this period of life ongoing where we are just exploring what that is? And for some of us, it definitely lands at one end or the other, like we're a spectrum, but to not have the opportunity to have such rigid ideas in our society of what is gender, what is sexuality, who fits in those boxes. We just create such tension within ourselves, within our bodies and our minds, and it leads to such ill health and disease because we're not free to just explore without judgment, without fear. Um, And yeah, one day we might be something and the next day we're something else. And what does it matter? I arrived in Castlemaine at the end of 2017 and I'm, I'm actually just outside of Castlemaine. So I'm about 15 minutes into the bush outside of Castlemaine. And really as someone who's always been quite introverted and probably not super confident to be visible I really just loved hiding out like a little hermit in the bush and so I didn't really engage with the Castlemaine community at all I feel very connected where I live in in the town that I'm in but not in the broader Castlemaine community and and then you know a couple of years later the pandemic hit so I was well and truly locked down uh, and isolated out there and so I guess being forced to be isolated suddenly made me realise that I appreciated connection more than I realised. And so when we were coming out of lockdowns and I'd seen a poster for the Mount Alexander Falcons football club, I was really interested, not only because I was probably by that stage really craving a sense of connection, but also because of the language that was used in the poster. You know, they called on women and gender diverse people and I'd never seen the word gender diverse used in a sporting context. And so I guess it was that combination. I think had it not been for the pandemic, I don't think I ever would have turned up because I would have been curious about that word. But my disinterest in football uh, and my familiarity with being a solitary creature would have probably prevented me from going. I had actually photographed the poster and then through a series of lockdowns, the tryout sessions or come and try sessions were postponed. It gave me more and more time 
to just ponder the idea of turning up. And it wasn't until the very first one actually happened and I did turn up that I suddenly thought, oh my God, these are people that are so comfortable with who I am. No one's batting an eyelid. No one's saying anything inappropriate. And actually the total opposite is that they're leading by making me feel really welcome. So we started with a acknowledgement of country and then we shared our names and pronouns and it was just the most bizarre thing for a footy club, I thought. Like I've never been in a footy club, but I don't know that that happens. I don't know that would be like a normal start. Like immediately within 10 minutes of being there, I felt like I'd found a community and that was such an unfamiliar feeling to me. And it also coincided with Uh, having enrolled in a master's in photography. And so I was specifically looking for a project that I could take on. And my ideas were really just around wanting to challenge gender roles and stereotypes through image making. So all of these things, it was like a perfect storm coming together where I turned up to this club. They were leading in this way that spoke to everything I was interested in. I felt so welcome that I didn't just want to document it from the outside I wanted to be in it because I didn't want to miss out on this feeling of being included and not only made to feel welcome but to feel celebrated so it wasn't just quite often we talk about acceptance like I should feel like it's a privilege to be accepted instead of a right to turn up and feel utterly celebrated and all of us celebrated in all our weird and wonderful forms we're quite a diverse cohort of people It's really difficult to explain if you're not sitting in that space. And I think it's probably even difficult to explain if you're sitting in that space and you're so used to just feeling welcome anywhere. So I I kicked the footy for the first time and I suddenly felt like I was a kid again, like in primary school. Like I went straight back to being on the lunchtime oval with a with a group of people, essentially and being really physical and rough and I suddenly just had this moment of like oh this is this is who I was supposed to be and sure I'm 42 which is not quite as conducive to football as being nine and learning at that age but I'm still alive and why the hell not so I threw myself into it and really got to know this team and Uh, the executive committee and everyone has just been so incredible. So when I had the idea very early on to document the club, it was really embraced by everyone. And I think has there's been something about having this project situated within the club that has allowed us to have conversations that we might not otherwise have had. Like I was having these revelations about how my body's feeling playing this game finally and how my mind is feeling connecting with these people. And I would have had those thoughts and feelings in isolation but because my project was within this space I was wanting to ask all my teammates how are you feeling in this moment how are you feeling about what we've found here what the Mount Alexander Falcons is and has created and just having these beautiful conversations with people who are having all of these revelations some really similar to mine some slightly overlapping to my experiences and some really different to my experiences and being able to talk openly about those things that are really quite personal I think allowed us all to probably process what we were feeling in a way that is difficult to do when you're on your own. Something I love about the Falcons is that 
because of the way the club has been established, that it is completely inclusive of everyone. What we've ended up with is not just a queer community, but a community of people who have shared values who just want to allow each other to exist in space and celebrate each other via the means of football. And so probably from the outside, it might look like the Falcons is a queer football team, but it's not. We have we have a large proportion of queer people, and by queer I mean all sorts of identifying people, um, but we have a huge amount of straight people And we're learning from each other as well, I think, like having this space where we can all just be and getting to have conversations with each other. I think we're all learning what it is just to be human and finding a community within that even is really liberating. We don't have to, I don't have to just feel connected to community by only being around the LGBTIQ community. Mm. I can be connected to community by being around human beings that just love and accept and celebrate me for who I am and I can do the same for them. Maybe it's it's what I've always felt is that I just don't want to categorise myself in any way. I just want to be free to exist and I want to be around other people who want to allow that of me and want to accept me allowing that of them and we can connect on our humanness and not necessarily on who we want to sleep with. It's such a weird thing that really we're categorising ourselves on who we want to have sex with or who we're physically attracted or emotionally attracted to. But that's such an odd thing to categorise people as. It's, it's as limiting as gender, as whatever. We can't underestimate as well how much queer spaces need to be safe for people who are not queer or seemingly not queer and making sure we're not discriminating or judging people based on them not being the same as us. It's so complex and we're still in a stage of our society where we have to have labels because it's been so unsafe for Mm. so many people and so we have to be able to say I am proudly this and I will be visible and I demand to be accepted Mm. and there will be a point inevitably and it's shifting really rapidly like it's shifted extremely rapidly over my lifetime and so I can only imagine in another 40 years I feel like our concepts of gender will become so fluid and our openness to sexuality will just be a non-issue that I can I can hope one day you don't even come out Mm. you just kind of come home from school one day and introduce your parents to your boyfriend or girlfriend or person whatever you want to call them and there is no (gasps) moment and there's no fear about doing that it's just like hey this is someone I'm dating I'd like you to meet my parents And your parents are like, great, nice to meet you. (laughs) And we don't have to come out, like, because as as LGBTIQ people, we are coming out constantly, daily sometimes, to everyone new because it it is like we're so concerned about how we box people in. Um, And the same with pronouns. Like, I would love one day that he and she just disappears from our lexicon. Like, everyone is just they so we we aren't judging people by gender anymore i think if we extend language to thinking about titles on forms even that that is just dying 
like the Australian Postal Service, I reckon. Like one day we're not going to have letterboxes and one day we're not going to have titles on forms. Like what an old-fashioned thing to have to choose a title for ourselves. It's really about power, the title. Mr. was about ownership. Doctor was about status and ego. And it is such an old-fashioned thing. I can't believe we're still dragging that through our form systems. And I think, yeah, why do we need to choose that? What is that even? We need to choose it in our society, in our minds, because we want to be sure how we're judging people when we talk to them. We want to have made up something about them before we get on the phone to them or before they walk in the door. We want to make assumptions about them. And Sometimes for some of us, if we've got first names that are not clear about what gender it is, we want to be able to use that title to be able to make up something about that person before we speak to them. Let's get rid of titles. One day we'll get rid of letterboxes. (laughs) And let's get rid of he, she. Let's stop judging each other. I think it's really important as well not to judge ourselves on where we're at. Like if I'm 42, I've had 42 years of conditioning in terms of the way my brain works and the way I think and the language that I choose to use. And inevitably I will get pronouns wrong. I will make an assumption about someone because that's how I've grown up. Even if in my mind I want to be totally different from that, I'm conditioned. We're all conditioned. And so... It's about, I think, first becoming conscious, having a desire to want to make everyone feel welcome and then just trying and then sometimes failing and then trying again and just giving it a go. So the work with my masters and the Falcons really has become quite a massive project in the end. It's way bigger than I ever imagined it would be, but the story was just there and it grew and evolved and became so important, I felt like. The the visibility, the way we're modelling behaviour, the way the club is leading by example, it just felt like such an important story to be told. So it has become what's looking like a feature length documentary film that will come out in 2023. And I'm really excited about it. I'm pretty tired, (laughs) but I feel really proud of what we have all been able to create together. And the way that we have Many of us within the club have shared our vulnerabilities and allowed ourselves to be visible, often uncomfortable about that, but knowing that our visibility is going to make things a lot easier for future generations and hopefully shift narratives and ideas and beliefs around what everyone is capable of, I guess in this project, particularly in relation to sport, but but it's very easy to see how that extends out across all aspects of our society. Yeah, I'm super excited. The project is called Equal the Contest and it will be a film and a photo book and quite possibly an exhibition but we'll see where my energy levels get me to next year yeah I'm really excited to be getting closer to sharing that with the world and and just opening up lots of really important dialogues and conversations about inclusion and diversity and and gender and capacity to play sport This project was made possible with the financial assistance of Victoria's Pride Regional Activation Program and Midsummer Festival, 
and with the support of the Mount Alexander Shire Council, the Mount Alexander Shire LGBTIQA Plus Steering Group, and the Queer and Now radio program on Main FM 94.9. This podcast has been produced by the Queer and Now team, Shireen Clue and Amalia O'Hara at Main FM 94.9. Editing and original music by Amy Chapman. A big thank you to all participants for sharing their stories with such a wonderful generosity of spirit. If anything within this episode has been upsetting for you, please reach out and call the dedicated LGBTIQA plus helpline switchboard on 1800 184 527 or Lifeline on 13 11 14 or Kids Helpline 1800 55 1800.